worry, mental anguish, fighting, and bad sex. Does that sound like the life that you want? Probably not. Did you know that 55% of us fight daily, weekly, or monthly if this one thing is a problem in our lives? Wonder what it is? Well, we've got Sam Schultz on the show again for round two, and he is sharing with us the results of a study conducted by Honeyfy, an app that helps couples do better with their money. They surveyed 300-plus LGBTQ people who are in relationships. The stats they found about our financial habits and happiness and our sex life will completely surprise you. Before we start the show, though, please click the share button on the app you're using to listen to the show and share it with someone. Because, come on, who doesn't want a better sex life and to be happier? Let's dive into the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. All right, so welcome back to another episode of Queer Money. We are picking up on the second half of a conversation that we originally started with Sam Schultz of Honeyfy. And that episode, episode 98, that aired on April 17th, hopefully was a reprieve for some of you from tax day because (laughs) that can oftentimes be a drain on you mentally. So hopefully that episode and financially, right? (laughs) Hopefully that episode picked you up. So unfortunately, this episode is the dun 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 portion of the conversation. (laughs) In the original episode, John and Sam and I had a fun conversation around the value of talking to your partner and sharing information about your finances, working on your finances together, and how that can lead to a better sex life and a lot less fighting and overall kind of a perception of having a better relationship. This episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the data points that were also surprising, but maybe ones that we have an opportunity as a community to make some improvements or areas that we can look at and say, how can I help the community or make some changes? Exactly. Yeah. So welcome back, Sam. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel like you should play the Darth Vader music. Right <laughs> well, you're not Darth Vader, right? <laughs> no, exactly. I hope not. Right. So for those of our listeners who haven't yet listened to episode 98, scold on you, but um, <laughs> would you mind giving uh, our listeners an update of, of who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the co-founder of an app called Honeyfy. It helps couples manage money together. And you know, we did this study of 300 LGBTQ couples on how they manage money together, how they communicate about money, the challenges of doing that and their goals. So some really interesting results, some happy ones, some sad ones, but we'll talk about them all, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And just to let our listeners know, David and I have been using the Honeyfy app. David absolutely loves it. It's allowing us to get a little bit more granular than we have with any other apps that we've used before. We are big proponents of spreadsheets, <laughs> but we know that not everybody is. And we do like that that Honeyfy seems to kind of provide the more granular look that we get from our master spreadsheet. So that's pretty cool. So check out the Honeyfy app for sure. Although John says that it gets granular, the thing that I love about it is it's super easy because I can just scroll through our transactions. And I can say that one goes to this category if the automatic category that is selected by Honeyfy isn't a correct one. So I love how simple it is to use. It's very visual. So if you have concerns about managing your money, this is a great place to start. (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much. And just so your listeners know, it works similar to Mint. So you link your accounts and then you can decide how much you want to share with your partner. So if you're not 
quite there yet where you're sharing everything, that's no problem. You can control that for each account you add. Absolutely. So one of the opportunities that came to me from the study was is exciting to see that as a community, LGBT community that includes everybody, that by and large our household income or at least our individual income is doing quite well. That doesn't seem to be a concern, but it, there does seem to be a problem with or an opportunity with us being able to maybe save more money than we have been or are and maybe ways that we can better spend the money that we do make. One of the concerns that came up to me was, according to the HoneyFi study, 33% of us couldn't afford a $500 emergency. If any of our listeners or readers know, we talk a lot about the Department of Labor study that came out a couple of years ago that said that 47% of the general population couldn't afford a $400 emergency. So we're kind of in line with that to some degree. With us having a generally higher income, it seems, we should be able to be a little bit more prepared for emergencies. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was one of the surprising parts of the study, given you know, the higher income. The specific stats were 44% of the couples we surveyed had less than $1,000 saved for an emergency, and 19% had virtually nothing saved. That was something you wish was a little higher. There was 29% of couples that had $5,000 or more saved, so props to them setting themselves up well. But I think hopefully we can decrease the number of couples who you know, have less than $1,000 saved just because it will be pretty difficult when some one-off emergency happens to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. And it does seem to be that we're not in the dark about this because the study also showed that 52% of us are concerned with our lack of savings. So we seem to know that there's a problem there with our lack of savings. It's just, you know, how do we take advantage of that knowledge and start saving better. And I guess the recommendation is to download the HoneyFi app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's certainly one of them. And, you know, I think honestly, if you just get started at all thinking about it, talking about it, using some kind of app, that'll be helpful. It definitely is good to see that people are aware that, you know, an emergency fund is important. And that was, as you mentioned, the number one goal people identified when we asked them, what's your biggest financial goal in the next three to five years? It was 46% who said build an emergency fund. And I think they're also aware because when we ask about the biggest financial problems LGBTQ couples face. The number one problem they identified was a lack of savings. It was 52% of couples who said that. Mm -hmm. Wow. It is interesting. As John mentioned, you know, there's a large number of us, more than 66% of us approximately, or those who are in the survey, have a household income that's higher than the median household income. So we're doing better financially. And 58% of those surveyed said that they feel like that they're somewhat financially secure or are very financially secure. Yet at the same time, we lack the savings. So we have the money, we feel financially secure, but we lack the savings. And another data point here I think is very interesting is that even among that group, 82% of that group worry about money at least monthly. So <laughs> is there some sort of uh, what are we doing? ingrained <laughs> in our heads as human beings or as Americans or as individuals that we must worry about money, even though we think that we're doing okay, or we actually are doing okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it goes to show you money's kind of really challenging for a lot of people. And it's sometimes hard to know or hard to feel like you're doing well. The other piece is, I think, even though a lot of couples will have a higher income, because 
debt's so common, particularly for millennials, that's still a drain on that. So I remember coming out of law school, getting paid pretty well and feeling like I'm rich. (laughs) But really, so much of that money was going to my student loan that when you factored it in, I really was not making that much. So I think a lot of people go through similar things, whether it's student debt or credit card debt. It may not feel like you're making all that much money after you subtract out some of those other costs. I think that there are two things that you just said that are very interesting. The whole idea that in general, money is a concern for most of us because there is a lack of knowledge. We don't typically come into the world with tools or come into adulthood with the tools that have prepared us on how to manage our lives financially. And I think that's why there's this explosion of apps just like Honeyfy, because so many people out there are like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm just completely (laughs) clueless. No thanks to mom and dad or our public (laughs) school systems. They don't really teach us much about finances. Then there's this big lack of knowledge. So we do graduate from college or high school and we get a job and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, I'm rich. And then the reality of life sets in that. We have debt, student loan debt or credit card debt, or we're just our regular cost of living expenses. And that brings us down. And then I think the other thing that you kind of highlighted, there was this idea that we want to feel successful and we want to feel a part of everything, but then we start comparing ourselves to the other people. I must not be very good because I'm not like that person. I don't have that car or I don't have that house or our family doesn't dress like that or, you know, whatever the case may be. So we kind of potentially drag ourselves down, even though we might be in a financial situation that is fairly decent or better off than some of the people who drive the nice cars and have the big houses. (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because the study also highlighted that some of our top spending categories are dining out, entertainment and travel at least the respondents to the survey, that money's not going towards investments or savings savings, or even a mortgage, which is a forced savings. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe some of that plays into the whole narrative of our sort of social media culture at times where we're sharing the best parts of our days or our weeks or our months. And it makes it look like we're living this extravagant life. And that leads everybody to spend a little bit more on maybe stuff they might not, or they might not actually prioritize as high if they were asked, but they actually spend more money. I know there are studies that show like the more time you spend on social media, the more you know you tend to spend on stuff like travel and food. And maybe if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. But I think for some people, they're just doing it more out of wanting to be able to post that (laughs) cool Instagram photo. And that's not necessarily what's going to lead you to the best financial decisions. Right. Nobody wants to see your Instagram picture of your top ramen in the microwave. (laughs) 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 Unless you have a really really ironic Instagram account. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. I did post one time, John and I were having a long day of work at home, and I posted a picture of two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as our dinner for the night. (laughs) We got a few comments on that one. It wasn't too sexy. But the point there is, and it kind of reinforces the problem that David and I have, or that we had, was that we were spending to keep up with everybody else's expectations. We were spending so that we weren't excluded from our new LGBT community. We were overspending in clubs, overspending in bars, overspending on clothing. We realized after we got buried in debt that 
those actually weren't necessarily the categories we wanted to be spending the most in. We wanted to save for retirement. We wanted to save for travel. We wanted to be able to donate more to charity. And we weren't doing that. We were spending a lot on diesel jeans. We were spending a lot on cocktails, 15, 20 bucks a pop. And I wonder to what extent the respondents of this survey feel that they're doing the same thing. They're overspending in entertainment and dining and travel when that may not necessarily be where they want to be spending their money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Another interesting part of the survey was just we asked couples about what tools or resources they use to help them with their money. And we had 35% said they don't use any. There were many options, including an other where you could list anything. And there was family and friends, which were an option. And 35% saying they don't use anything was just really, that was much higher than I anticipated. And I think it just goes to show like there's a lot of resources available to people. And I think if they were able to use them a little better, I think they'd probably find themselves making smarter decisions. So I have to ask, for your app to be successful, you need to market it and promote it. Do you think that this 35% of the population either lacks awareness of the available tools and resources, or is it a lack of interest? You know, it's probably a bit of both. I think there are some people that are taking more of an ostrich approach where they're sticking their head in the sand and just ignoring the problem. And then when it gets bad enough, they'll deal with it. And then there are probably others that are just not as interested in it. I mean, I think with HoneyFi in particular, we see a lot of couples where one partner is much more interested in finances than the other. And this is where I think it's valuable to use a tool that's designed for a couple because we've found that when we can get both partners involved in using the app, both of their levels of engagement go much higher. Mm -hmm. And that tends to lead to just more awareness, more conversation in the app or in real life, and more success financially for the two. Because, you know, there aren't many problems that get better when you ignore them. Right. Exactly. Well, and as we talked about on the previous episode that you were on, those characteristics then seem to correlate to having a better sex life and simply being happier in your relationship. Right. There's yeah. a lot of Yeah, exactly. There. I think one of the other things that's interesting here is that 35%, that's more than one third of those who responded. And you know, they, you've got a fairly decent sized group here. So if we uh, apply that to our general population of the LGBT community, which John and I have calculated probably ranges between 16 and 20 million people, So if a third of them, 16 to 20 million people, we're talking about potentially five to seven million individuals in our community who are not preparing at all financially for the future because they're just not doing anything to be prepared. And then at the same time, we have these individuals saying that the biggest impact to their financial problems is on their mental health. And you kind of have to wonder... If there's such a large number of people in our community who are not preparing financially and it's having an impact on their mental health, I have to ask, how is our community going to improve if so many of us are worried about and focused on our mental health and getting ourselves mentally in a better space? Then we perpetuate the problem, whether it's financial or just not feeling good about ourselves as individuals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think given the stat around 82% of couples we surveyed worrying about money at least monthly, I think people are aware, you know, in the back of their minds, even the people who aren't using any resources are aware, you know, I should probably be doing something. Right. So I think it's kudos to you guys for 
trying to raise that awareness because it's important. And the more people can like start actually trying to directly address it and use some resources, I think that'll increase the chances of people getting out of these difficult financial situations. I mean, one of the parts of the survey that I thought was really interesting was around people with bad credit. I was pretty surprised at how much more stressful it is for couples where one partner or more has bad credit. We found that 55% of couples who have bad credit reported fighting daily, weekly, or monthly, which is significantly higher than the general population. We found that they worry about money more often. So of the respondents who said they had bad credit, literally 100% of them said they worry about money monthly, 86% said they worry about it weekly, and 51% said they worry about it daily. Worrying about that daily, it's just, wow, that's so stressful. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's so frustrating because this is all fixable. Right. For most of us, we can solve this problem. I mean, granted, there are outliers, but for the majority, this is a solvable problem. And as we talked about in the previous episode, even simply talking about your finances with your partner, and if you don't have a partner, talk about it with someone, could improve at least how you feel about your finances. Right. Just to speak to the individuals on the lower income spectrum. John and I have worked with and talked with so many different people, and we know that there are a lot out there who have much lower income, but there are couples and individuals at that lower income level who have good credit scores that don't have debt. It all comes down to the fact that they are managing what money that they have appropriately and living the lifestyle that's appropriate to the income that they're earning. Whether it's the income they're earning because they chose a particular field that they knew that they were going to be earning less, or you've gotten yourself into some sort of financial situation, whether you've lost a job or you're disabled, there are still ways for you to live within your means and still have a decent credit score and pay off your debt when you're at that lower income. If your happiness and your financial security was purely based on your income, the respondents of this study have, on average, higher income than the general population, they should then also be reporting much more positive numbers in some of these more challenging areas. Right. So it's not necessarily, as you're saying, it's not about income. It's about how you're, you're managing those expenses and how engaged you are with those expenses. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sam, I'm just going to add one other thing here. John and I, the whole reason why we do what we do is because we want to elevate our community because there are so many of us who have so many other circumstances in our lives that can cause us angst or frustration or whatever the case may be. We want our lives to be better. And if there's something we can do to make our lives better, we need the time and the energy and the money to be able to do that. If we're constantly worrying about money because of the choices that we're making on what we spend on or whatever the case may be, then we don't have the time, energy, or money <laughs> to help our community or help our family or help ourselves because we're just constantly struggling. We're constantly in a place of scarcity. Well, that's why to me that 57% that of people who say that their finances are causing an adverse effect on their mental health is so concerning. It's a huge percentage yeah. of our population. Yeah, no, and I feel like the more people like you can be sharing honest stories about like, hey, this is what I went through this is what was hard about it. Here's why I went wrong. The more people can learn from it without going through it themselves, and maybe they catch themselves earlier, or if they are in the same or a deeper hole, they can say, hey, these guys went through it. Here's how they did it. If they can do it, I can do it. 
and they can pull themselves out of it. Because I think sometimes when you find yourself in these holes with either really bad credit or a lot of debt, it can feel like you're all alone or how could you ever get out of this? Mm -hmm. And so just hearing that story from other people can sort of be inspirational and make you feel a little bit better, like you can actually pull this thing off. Absolutely. You know, we have to thank Honeyfy for doing a, a study about our community so we can better understand what our risks and concerns and opportunities are. We wouldn't be able to more accurately speak to our community without this sort of information. So we're so thankful that you took the time and spent the money and resources to glean this information for us. We're going to be able to use this for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. I'm just glad it worked out and that we found so much interesting and insightful data. Sure. Right. And I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what David sort of starting to say, an area of opportunity that we also saw with the Honeyfy data was that only 6.31% of respondents say they at least some of their discretionary spending goes towards charities. And like David said, part of why we do what we do is because we obviously still have not yet achieved equality. The LGBT community hasn't necessarily achieved equality in this country. And it's hard to achieve that if we don't have the time freedom or the financial freedom to be able to give to the causes and organizations that will help advocate for our equality. So that was a number that came out that was quite concerning to David and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's a great point. All right. So Sam, with all this data and lack of knowledge that seems to be going on in our community, it seems like a tool like Honeyfy is perfect for our community. Can you give us a little bit of an explanation again about how the app works, how a couple would use it, and the value that they would get from using it. Absolutely. So I think Honeyfy is really useful for couples because it helps you start conversations about money and keep them going. So we help you start those conversations because we help you integrate your finances. For a lot of couples, the only option besides Honeyfy is something like a joint account which is kind of an intimidating proposition. And I think we talked about earlier how two-thirds of millennial couples in particular don't merge their finances. So it's important to have that middle ground option for couples because when you link an account to the app, like you would for something like Mint, we allow you to control how much you're sharing with your partner. So transactions, balances, that control is really important for a lot of couples. Then once you have your finances integrated, we help you continue the conversation about money and keep talking about it with your partner by doing a lot of the heavy lifting with the kind of annoying and tedious day-to-day -day financials. So we help you track a budget, track your bills, see when they're coming due, track your spending. And we have little features in there to help you communicate about money so you can comment on transactions and react to transactions, stuff like that. And then we help you keep an eye on the long-term picture by helping you navigate some of the bigger life events and save for goals together. So it's really, as I mentioned, getting that conversation about money started and keeping it going. And that's where a tool I think like Honeyfy is really helpful for a lot of couples. As we talked about before, one of the things that David and I love about it is that it's progressive. So you can reveal as much about your finances as you want to, and hopefully as you're relationship evolves and you're comfortable sharing more information, you'll be open to disclosing more of your financial situation as well. Absolutely. And I can't help but think of those millions of LGBT people who are, as we talked about before, whether it's lack of interest or they're ignoring their financial situation, this could really help 
not only help their sex life and them be happier, it's really going to help that mental situation that a lot of people are in this kind of mental anguish. John and I have a Facebook group and we've asked questions in there and the words that people use when they come to talking about their debt or their financial situation are things like they feel trapped, they feel like they don't have any control, they feel helpless. And it's these kinds of tools that really help us free ourselves from those kinds of situations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just like joining a Facebook group like yours, it's really helpful to be talking about it with somebody and not feeling like you're all alone out there. So I think when you can feel like you're working on money with your partner and not just by yourself, it can go a long way to encouraging you and helping you avoid some of the mistakes you otherwise might make. Yeah, I have to applaud that because I don't think that David and I would be where we are today if it wasn't for, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for David. (laughs) And vice versa. I think that we became a stronger couple because we started focusing on how our lives would be better if we focused on our finances and made that part of our lives better as well. Exactly. So I know you've said this before, but it bears repeating. Would you mind sharing, Sam, with our audience where all our audience can find HoneyFi and keep track of everything that's going on with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us at honeyfi.com. So that's just honey and then fi.com. And we're available in the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Awesome. And you're on any social media like Twitter or Facebook? Yes. Yeah. Twitter and Facebook. We're at both of those. I think we're at HoneyFi app. You have blog posts from time to time with little bits of great content. So that's a reason to check them out on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Thank you again, Sam. We certainly appreciate it when companies like HoneyFi lend a hand to help our community. So how about you? Want to lend a hand to having a better sex life, being happier, reducing the fighting in your relationship, or improving your mental state? Then download the HoneyFi app and start talking money with your honey. By the way, you can do it solo too. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Okay. We just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all all my healthy meals for me. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The other end, I like the butts, so... (laughs) Uh,